Hey guys, and welcome to another episode of Stir the Pot, a podcast all about food and the people that love it. Now, I'm going to be honest with you today, I am not recording this at my desk or even in my kitchen like I usually do. I am shattered. I have just finished a 15-hour day filming and cooking, and I'm just dead to the world. So I am recording this unashamedly from my bed. A usual, uh, more professional service will resume in the next episode. Um, Today's episode is really fun with my friend John Gregory Smith, a food writer who is specialising in the Middle East. His first book was on Turkish food, and his upcoming book is going to be on Morocco. It's a really fun episode. I really hope you like it, because I absolutely love making these podcasts, and I will continue doing so whilst you continue to listen to it. If I can ask you a massive favour, can you please leave a review of the podcast on iTunes and share it around social media on Twitter and Facebook and Instagram because the more people that do that, better the podcast does and the easier it is for me to continue to make episodes. Anyway, that's definitely enough of me. I'm going to go to bed and leave you with this week's episode. So, uh, we have obviously one question on the podcast. I yeah. know you've uh, not, uh, you're not au fait with the podcast. I'm a podcast virgin. Podcast virgin. Well, you don't even listen to podcasts, exactly, you Exactly, in so many ways. Which is tragic. No. Um, <laughs> so we have one question, and that's going to hopefully spring a conversation. So the question is, uh, how did food become such a big part of your life? Okay. Oh, God, right. What, it's a very why, open question. Why can't you just sit here quietly yeah? <laughs> <laughs> and mull it over for 40 minutes? Um... Like what was chat? What was food as uh, when you were a kid like? So basically, I've got like a for for quite a kind of dull uh, middle class person. My surname's Gregory Smith, and all quite like normal. I have a really lovely like massive family. Yeah. Uh, and we're more like kind of Italian style. So I've got I've got my brother and sister, and then my aunts and uncles grew up uh, round the corner, or I grew up round the corner from them, and they have uh, three kids each. So there were nine cousins, and we all grew wow. up together, and so. Family occasions would be like a Sunday roast, Friday night curry, someone's birthday, barbecue. And we used to see each other a lot, like a couple of times a week all together. And we still do now, not quite a couple of times a week, we see each other a lot. But it was always food. So you'd you'd pile in someone's kitchen, everyone would start, you know, like peeling carrots, chopping, getting booze out, just chilling out, eating, drinking. And that was sort of my earliest memories. We're always sort of very happy around tables laden with food all the people that I love. Food was always a sociable thing. It was always something to be encouraged and to eat a lot of. And those are my sort of earliest food memories of just being like super happy and mm. like with the people that you love. I've heard you refer to your uh, family as the Q Mafia. The Q Mafia. <laughs> so I just like the idea that there's a mafia in Q, like the, is the most middle class place in London. Yeah. And then the mafia. Just, the just mafia. Like, two things that just wouldn't happen in that place. <laughs> Um, again, it's just where we all grew up. So we literally all grew up around the corner from each other and we used to all meet up in the pub. I used to go in with my fake Isaac card from the age of about 14 and meet in the pub and then we'd go back to someone's house. And it was just really nice. It was a really nice way to grow up. Like, I was, And I still now, like I see my cousins all the time and we're kind of very much like in each other's lives and look after each other and they're all like, they're my mates. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? Yeah, totally. Um, 
I'm meant to be seeing them all on Saturday to go to a rave, actually, but I'm not going. They are. Uh, so I've got to do some work, quite sadly. But <laughs> you no, have a very looming book deadline. I know, it's so grown up. But they are. No, they're great. And those were the sort of like the starting foundations of why food was always so fun, because it was like, it was just instant party. Mm. Table full of food, lovely yeah. people, booze everywhere, everyone chatting and having fun and like the clink of glasses. And it was sort of always like a, such a lovely, fun thing. But because I was the youngest and quite short compared to everyone else. Um, what used to really annoy me is everyone would kind of get their food and I'd just be elbowed out of the way and always last. And my some of my cousins are quite greedy and my brother, and they'd just sort of like lean over and sort of yank things off my plate. It was really annoying. I really yeah. like eating. Now, we've just eaten, so you've seen how quickly I eat. Like, yeah, you commented shovel. on how slow I am. Yeah. No, no, I'm normal eater. Okay, I You're eat fast. Just very fast. Because yeah. someone will steal from me, and it could still happen. <laughs> but what I realise is... I if, won't steal your food. Please don't. Is if I cook it, then people will be like, oh, you know, you get slightly more like mm. higher up the pecking order. Yeah. So I did start cooking it from quite a young age. What sort of food were you cooking when you were younger? Um, things like Chinese food. I was really into chicken <laughs> chicken and black bean. Nothing and wrong with chicken and black bean. Lovely. Uh, and curries. Never English food. It was all mm. things like Thai food, Chinese food, Indian food. Things I used to, I used to watch all the old uh, food programmes, mm. so like Floyd, Madda Jaffrey. Yeah. Um, the classics. God, I'm trying to think who else is old and ancient. Like, Funny credit. No, not that old. <laughs> and, but I used to watch this like really kind of exotic programmes as like, you know, like a, a early teens, mm. like 11, 12, 13, just be like, oh my God, this is amazing. Yeah. And to try and recreate mm. that. And my family always, we're, we're all quite spoiled and we travelled a lot. So mm. you'd kind of go somewhere beautiful and kind of come back and try and cook it again we definitely had that when I was a kid where we would we travel around a lot around Europe mm. and we would always try and co- uh, make that thing that we were all obsessed yeah. with that one trip yeah because it's like this it's like you know you're you have like the song that yeah. you just listen to over and over again if you're into your food you have that like one thing you just couldn't yeah. get enough of and there's always there was one thing for every trip it seemed like for me where there was a dish that you tried and you're like I'm gonna make that when I come home and it became a slight obsession. Yeah. So your dad lived in Turkey when he was growing up, right? Is he Turkish or British? Or... No, he's very much British. Okay. Um, I even said that in probably British accent. <laughs> he's very much British. But no, it was interesting. So his father was the naval attaché in the military. And he was based in Ankara with my uh, grandmother. And um, weirdly, they decided to leave my dad in England. And they took my auntie with them. So my dad used to like travel out there when he mm. was younger. So he had like early experiences of Turkey and they've got these amazing old black and white photos of them going to like different sites mm. round um, Turkey. I'm too stupid now to remember any of them. And lovely like places on the Black Sea. These most wicked old photos mm. from in the 60s. Wow. Um, well, no, was it even before that? Was it the 50s? Must have been like the 50s. Really amazing, like little family holidays in the summer where they used to go yeah. to all these wicked places. And then they obviously, they all came back. But he he was the first person to say, like, let's go back. Mm. Let's go back there. Did that influence the food when you were a kid? Like, that, the, the fact that they lived abroad first? God, no. My grandmothers, and it's safe to say now, were terrible cooks. <laughs> <laughs> so you haven't got that cliche thing of a food writer going, no, you know, no, my grandmother. Yeah. But one thing my, um, so one granny used to, was really into salads, which was quite weird. Mm. And I used to find them quite repulsive actually but were they salad as in just open a bag of lettuce yes old school salad yeah. literally 
lettuce, tomatoes, or don't eat tomatoes. Yeah. Rivita, crack. Um, you know, like the old crisp breads, the yeah, white yeah, yeah. ones, the, the nu- really like nutrient free ones. ones. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, them. Like masses of butter, and because <laughs> they and were so healthy, like wafer thin ham, but all on little <laughs> plates and looking quite nice. Yeah. That that was lunch. And then I don't actually remember anything else she used to cook, but she used to give me cans of Coke, so I used to quite enjoy that. And then my other granny, my dad's mum, who was a dreadful cook, and she was more into, like, fags and white wine. But the one thing she should... Actually, she... I used to really like her soup as a child. And then when I kind of got into food and mm. I realised her soup was the, the those gnaw packets. And she just used to, like... She used to whisk it with milk to be fancy. And uh, I was slightly horrified, but I do. I used to love them. But she used to make a really good Malaysian curry because they'd spent some time in Malaysia. And we used to have these amazing meals. They had this wicked old um, thatched cottage in the New Forest. It was Mm. so beautiful. And in their dining room, they had this amazing old table. So she'd make these curries. It was pretty much the only thing that was delicious. And she'd make this amazing curry, but then put all the bowls of like eggs and peanuts and all the bits. Wow. And at the time as well, I found that quite odd having like curry with egg but yeah. like now it's sort of like wow I totally love it but that was she was an amazing cook the rest of the stuff I think was, her palate was like you tainted by 50 full marble lights a day well it's interesting that she took silk cut <laughs> silk cut very specific very specific but it's interesting that she took that one dish mm. and she clearly loved it because she made it properly with the dishes of everything yeah. to accompany it whereas normally I would almost expect that to be kind of almost bastardised yeah and like Here's my version. Yeah. But she was doing it properly. Yeah. Well, I think she was. Well, you see, if it sounds like it, it like, does, she's like, doing the bowls of the peanuts and the eggs and... Because, you know, when you're quite young, sometimes you your food memories can be a little bit jarred. Like, you, you can think something's really amazing or really weird. And actually, when you really think about it, it wasn't. Yeah. But I do remember it being really amazing. Really, like, really spicy. Mm. Like, very exotic tasting. Mm. And that's such a weird word, but it was. <laughs> it was really full on in my mouth. And then having all those little extra bits, yeah. the peanuts and things like coriander... That sounds really weird to say, but like, sadly, at my age, being thirty-five, when I was growing up, that's, that's that just so old, like ancient. <laughs> but you didn't, you, 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 like, you wouldn't just go to the supermarket and buy yeah. coriander. No, I mean, my mum. Uh, I mean, obviously, she's a lot older, but she tells me the time she first ever had a banana. You Wild. Know, yeah, completely. Like, it, she was so <laughs> amazed by it, and like, yeah, uh, her her mother, my my nana, was. Um, completely Nana, that's such a lovely word bless her. Yeah, she really was amazing word. but she was blown away when she had spaghetti for the first yeah. time yeah you know? because we don't I don't think we have that thing anymore really you must have had like a weird food first I mean I'm sure but I think because of the world we live in where everything is so international these days yeah. like even if you've never had it you might be aware of it but you know well, you've, in, you've seen it on Instagram you've yeah, <laughs> seen it on Instagram whatever I just think it's 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 harder to be kind of amazed in that yeah. kind of way because we're all world more aware of yeah no I know what you mean and how did you get into Turkish food then because I think there's a really interesting link between um your family and the way you talk about Turkish food yeah when I was reading the book um you talk about family and kind of society and kind of eating together a lot Mm. and Mm. it feels like that's replicated in your family yeah is that something that you kind of linked up with I think um I think that's just so ingrained with the way mm. I eat. Like, the way we just ate now, just bunging a load of stuff on the table, sure. having a chit-chat, like, ploughing through it. We should have really, like, thrown wine everywhere. <laughs> and that that is sort of, that is, like, food heaven for yeah. me, especially with the wine. And um, 
that whole like vibe of, of when you go certainly to places in Europe and the Middle East and where food is so ingrained in people's mm. society but it is it's very much like a it's a family thing you go yeah. home to eat and I think I just naturally like I have a natural affinity to that so with the like in Tur- Turkish people absolutely bloody love to eat yeah. and they will eat out they'll go to restaurants and they'll eat amazing kebabs and meze and fish but it's ho- it's the home cooked food it's, mm. it's your mum's food and your mum will make the best um, kofta or desserts or burek or whatever and you know you everyone will just pile home and they'll just eat 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 eat, eat, eat. and I just love that I, I literally love it I think it's such a nice way to, to live I think that's always been why I've loved France so much because I think you know a lot of European countries have that similar yeah. feel where food is still really central to the family yeah and that's totally how I grew up we yeah. always remember our family holidays through the food we ate you yeah know, we might not remember the holiday I'm but the we definitely remember the food yeah and I think it's just a really... It's, I think it's a beautiful way to live. Yeah. And I definitely think in this country that seems to have, to some degree, died out. You yeah. Know? When I was a kid, we always ate round the table every day, all of us together. Every was, day? Every day. Wow. It was really important. I mean, my family are quite traditional, mm. but it was very important for us to kind of have that time together. Mm. I mean, when we were slightly older, we had, you know, uh, dinner in front of the TV, but it was always together. Yeah. Then you just got partying and <laughs> sucking off. You know, at 15, it was fine. Um... <laughs> But uh, yeah, I, I find it fascinating that I don't know what I'm saying. Start that again. <laughs> Go on. I find it fascinating. <laughs> I do. I find it really fascinating. It is fascinating. Um, so when was the first time that you got introduced to Turkish food then? Because that has become a big thing for you mm. over the last say ten years, I guess. So I had it in East London, mm. Natch, and that was pretty amazing. But because of growing up in London, amazing place, uh, I had lots of really nice food first here of eating like Afghan food mm. uh, in Shepherd's Bush eating uh, Lebanese food on the Oxford Road Turkish food there so you're eating this stuff and it's quite amazing it was when my dad said right we need to go to Istanbul mm. and we went out there and um, I'd done quite a lot of homework and we went to some restaurants and just was blown away mm. there was one restaurant called Chia which is like this little funny very chilled out little place on the Asia side and um it's quite rough and ready and they serve like food from East Turkey. So mm. lots of like uh, kebabs and koftas and like meat stews and lovely soups and stuff. And it was um, sort of half canteen and then half grill. So you could kind of, it's quite fun if, you, if you're if you quite food, you could kind of go in there like meerkat around and sort of sure. pointed things. And then at the same time, this lovely grill will be cooking things up. And we ordered masses, like me and my dad, for two quite little people, really greedy and can pack it away. <laughs> and we ordered all this stuff and I remember virtually everything we had this kebab called a cheer kebab which was like ground beef and they'd rolled it in 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 like raw dough and baked it in the oven but they put like cheese and nuts in it it was so yummy and so juicy and then served with yogurt and then we had this like um sort of like literally like a clay pot rice but with bread and and with like a sort of chicken and liver pilau in Mm. and just Honestly, everything was so fucking yum. I probably yeah. shouldn't swear. It was, everything was so yummy. And I remember eating it and feeling like so like tingly with excitement. Yeah. Like, this is the nuts. This is amazing. Like, why have I not eaten this kind of food before? Mm. And I, I don't think I don't think you could qu- quite get, or I didn't know you could probably quite get that kind of home-cooked food mm. in East London then. And I was just, like, obsessed with it. Mm. Obsessed. Then I met my... Um, 
several years later, met my uh, now sadly ex-partner, very lovely man, and he um, in- he really introduced me to like home-cooked Turkish food. So when you go to Turkey and you eat out, it's basically you eat things like that you cook on big fires because they sure. don't have them at home. And it's that amazing like mum food that's just yeah. so delicious. And he obviously took me to his uh, to the mothership, and his mum uh, Tilai could cook so well, yeah. like really amazing koftas, really amazing pilau, these really like a mosaic cake, which is like this lovely sort of chocolate pudding. And we just literally sat in her little flat in um, on the Black Sea in Samson, just eating, mm-hmm. just constantly. Yeah. And I was again, I got that tingly feeling like this. This is really wicked food, really interesting. I mean, and new. That was, I mean, one of the things I picked up from the book was the fact that you wanted to present home cooking yeah. not the kind of Turkish cooking that has been done a hundred times yeah. before but you wanted to really give off that yeah. comfort level and yeah. I think that really comes through because there are so many recipes that are attributed to you know a family member or a friend or mm. you know and I think that's a really nice way to talk about food is mm. through the family because that yeah. connection is really important and also just just like everyone knows that the best food is your mum's cooking yeah, like totally. and to be privileged enough to kind of like worm your way in mm. it's just it means you just get access to such good stuff like <laughs> honestly like you we, we did this tour it was so cool so we drove we got a car and we drove from Samson along the Black Sea which mm. was just in itself incredible like because it was kind of a bit wintry and blusty blusty that's not even the word blustery and just gorgeous and all quite dramatic and we stopped off in little places to have koftas and fried fish but then we basically went to this random woman's house who I can't even remember. We got put in touch with her like through a friend of a cousin or something. And we met her in this cafe and it was all quite extraordinary because she obviously was like, oh my God, this guy's coming. He's like a food writer from England. That's so amazing. <laughs> so she took me to this did cafe. Did she think Rick Stein was turning I up? think she did. I think <laughs> she was a little disappointed. And um, we went to this cafe and um, I just went very high. And... Uh, I was we were just sitting there and I was like look, looking at um M's just like, Oh, this is this is a bit weird and she suddenly descended on us with like all her friends and gave me millions of presents and I was like, This is really awkward, really weird. I just want I, I we need to go. Like and I was thinking, because when I do these kind of trips, you have to take the rough with the smooth. Yeah. Sometimes you go somewhere and you think it's gonna be amazing and it's not. Sometimes you go somewhere and think it's gonna be shit and it's amazing. And I just got this weird feeling like this this is a bit odd. I think we need to, we should go. And then her husband turned up with the, her son and they were they were like, right, we're going to take you to the fish market. So I thought, okay, well, let's go to the fish market with them and then we'll make our excuses and we'll just leave. Sure. They could not have been just more charming and cool and sort of slightly taking the mick out of their mum for being a bit overdramatic. <laughs> so we went for dinner and we ended up staying in this like tiny, like gorgeous house on the cliffs overlooking this town called Trabzon. And it was literally like sort of right up in the hill overlooking the sea. Really amazing. This woman was the most amazing home cook wow. I've ever seen. And we basically stayed there for three days eating, cooking all different black seafood, which is sort of uh, not black seafood, it's in black sea food. And um, it was so delicious. And it was ham sea season, which is their anchovies. The anchovies yeah, yeah. And it's like a big deal when they come in season. It's like everyone will just go a bit nuts, which is that lovely thing about yeah. seasonal food. Yeah, like, oh my completely. God, it's time, quick, go for it. And so we made like hamsi pilau, which is amazing, like um, obviously a pilau in the name, but you layer the fish, so you make like a sort of case of it and you bake the rice sort of surrounded by these fresh anchovies. Wow. So they kind of cook into it. 
and then for breakfast you make a pide um, with like a quite a wet dough. It, it's not so much like a traditional pide; it's more like a kind of pancake. It's like a more crisp, or uh, yeah, quite crispy. And okay. then you have it with yogurt and like all wild herbs. Yeah. But they were really keen cooks as well, so they were like making their own labneh from fresh, making butters. They had all these amazing pickles and jams and just just like lovely people. But it was that access to that home mm. cooking. You're just like this is this is really wicked food. Yeah. You know, it's not sort of fancy restaurant food or trying to be anything more than just just honest wicked food i think there's more soul to it yeah and it just i don't know it's more welcoming it's more you know it tastes better yeah definitely well i'm i'm one of those annoying people who thinks that you know food made with love you can actually tell yeah and i but i genuinely stand by that i think mm. i know when i'm cooking and baking that when i'm happier and when i'm doing it from a really good place i know i do it better yeah, yeah, yeah. because i want to do it better yeah and I think that's partly why that warmth of home cooking yeah. is always present in that sort of dish. Mm. Was that trip before you started in the kind of food career, or was that? No, that was kind of that was later actually. So I I dipped in and out of Turkey a few times, but only really been to Istanbul. And then when I decided to write a book on Turkish food, I went. I was really lucky actually. I went to um, Gaziantep, which is in right on the borders of Syria. Mm. So like when we were there, you could see you know, the hills of Syria and and at that time they were still just hills and it wasn't all crazy. Um, I think there was still quite a lot of problems there, but it, the town felt really safe mm. and it was this amazing, like, dusty red town. And um, Turkey's really fertile. Like, it's a really fertile country and they grow, it's really self-sufficient and they grow amazing stuff. And in this sort of quite dusty place they grow amazing like pistachio nuts mm. really beautiful cherries and olives and then like all sorts of vegetables and fruit and stuff but that that town is known for kebab <laughs> and it was just wicked like we, it was a really old town and it felt old and it looked old and we went to do some baklava tasting and uh, pistachio nut tasting and all this stuff but it was the kebab that was the best and we met this guy who uh, his trade name was uh, the King of Kebabs, which sounds like a, a greasy shop in Dalston. Uh, literally, there is a, a kebab is shop near my house called the King of Kebabs. Is it called King Kebab or Kebab or King? Was he the best, best kebab? Well, best kebab. Like I can't even remember. He was either Kebab King or King of Bags. He kind of, you know, he was regal anyway. And um, <laughs> self-appointed whole, regal. Yeah, and and again, we got. I got that slightly alarm bells. Like this is just going to be so weird. Mm. And we were in this like like hotel garden, and this, this kind of weird guy came out with like a camera crew, and again I was oh, like, no. it was really really weird. And basically, what turned out is he was a hotelier, mm. and he he was pretty famous in this okay. like town, and he could really cook kebabs, and he showed us how to make kebabs, and they use um obviously like we were, we were cooking lamb kebabs, so they made the Adana kebab, mm. which is um like a spiced lamb kebab. And they told us, you know, you've got to use young lamb and it's got to be a year and a half old and male and blah, 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 blah. And then they use these massive, like, what are those, what's the thing Nigella always chops her herbs with? Oh, the the curved blade. Is a mezzaluna. Yes, sure I win. I'm not she calls it, but... Um, <laughs> I, I got it before you. Yes. Um, and basically, it was, you, you know what I mean? There's yeah, the rocky it's the things. curved uh, Imagine blade that. for chopping herbs. Ginormous. I've like seen one before, yeah. But without one handle. So you've got, and you've got oh. one handle. The point being, you're meant to tap the blade, so you you sort of push down like that, and when the as that bit rocks up, you push the blade okay. down, and you're so you're basically sort of rolling it over the meat, 
And this guy did it. I tried because I'm such a little weed. I just like couldn't do it and sort of mess it all up. Anyway, he ended up cooking this stuff, and it was just so insanely good. And they're just really into like smoke meat fire, and they get that whole thing. They just lock it down yeah. so well, and the way they cook, they don't put it on grills. You know, they'll just have the coals in a pit, and then you just put your you know your Straight meat over, across yeah. it. Yeah, it was so so delicious. Mm. And again, like. I'd eaten kebab before and eaten some really nice kebab, but when you kind of eat it where it's like an art form yeah, and they're yeah. taking it so seriously, and even even the way once they've once they've cut it all up, you meant to you season it with salt to get it to the meat to sweat and mm. start to get a little bit sticky, and they've got sort of they they won't put it in in the fridge while that's happening. They'll keep it for sort of a short period of time just to sweat it out mm. so that it it kind of gets more sticky and forms together better. It's yeah. all quite like sciencey like they yeah, kind of yeah, know, they know what they're, what they're doing, doing yeah. and the end result you're just basically like shoving this juicy <laughs> glorious kebab that's all like kind of delicately spiced mm. oh my god it was amazing so peddling back a few years how did you actually get into food because you used to run uh, a company that sold in uh, supermarkets selling, yeah uh, was it spice mixes it, or it was spice paste spice paste and um I started my lucrative career in the city <laughs> as a as a recruitment agent, and uh, I used to I used to do <laughs> like cold calling, wow. and be like, "Hi, do you want an accountant?" Hello, hello. <laughs> People would just hang up. But weird thing is, there is a career in this, and I did it for like a year, mm. and um, then moved to another uh, firm, I guess you call it, whatever. And um, then basically got pretty much fired because I just didn't do anything. And I used to go and sit, you know where um, like Broadgate Circle is now? It's sure. all full of like swanky restaurants. Yeah. It didn't used to be, it just used to be like a weird circle. And I used to tell my boss, like, I've got so many meetings today. I'm just not going to be in the office all day. And I'd just go and sit in Broadgate Circle like, oh, what am I doing in my life? It's just horrendous. And my... The only thing that I was ever interested in was cooking. Mm. and But it was like a hobby, so I kind of overlooked it. Then I decided, actually, get off your ass and do something about it. And my sister met Gordon Ramsay, really shit-faced, in a bar called Mint in Knightsbridge, which now doesn't exist. It sounds awful. Yeah, Mint. And um, she basically went up to him, and she's like, good old Rose, she's got balls of steel, and just walked mm. straight up to him and went, my brother really likes you, and he wants to be a chef. Can you give him a job? And A, because my sister's very beautiful and persuasive and charming, B, because he was probably really hammered, he was like, yeah, that's fine. So he, he gave my sister a number and said fax this is how long ago it was fax this number get him to fax this number so I faxed the number in the morning and I got a fax back saying call this number and speak to so and so so he arranged a stash for me in um, uh, Royal Hospital Road so I went in knowing nothing no training never been into a kitchen never worked professionally nothing and walked in everyone totally ignored me and yeah, I got put on a mushroom that. station and just like picking mushrooms <laughs> and like cleaning the dirt off and again because I didn't I didn't know you know I'd bought mushrooms from the supermarket you don't clean dirt yeah, off yeah. you just cook with them I was like oh this is really weird what I do and mm-hmm. trying to wash them underwater and getting shouted at and stuff and then like I remember like just communally sharing over cigarettes at the back because everyone smokes and um sort of explained myself and then people were really nice to me mm. and sort of showed me around and um Oh God! And then, then I, when I left, I decided I didn't want to. Um, I didn't want to work in the kitchen. But I really like food. There is also another story about that. That um, <laughs> they, they, as like a sort of 
like that was really fun having you so do you want a booking in the in, in the, the restaurant. restaurant sure so i was like yeah that'd be amazing i'll bring my family like who else am i gonna bring and uh so they gave us like the plum table in the middle and yeah so me and my sister my sister's um husband my mum dad my brother and his uh then girlfriend all went for drinks in this extraordinary bar in fulham or somewhere dreadful and um all the waitresses were in like underwear. It was really weird because I was with my parents. And so we were there like drinking and we got quite overexcited. And then we walked down to a hostel road and basically behaved like Brits abroad. We got so shit faced in Royal Hostel Road that like I, my sister was sort of, sort of swaying everywhere. And they put this thing down. She was like, why are you serving chocolate mousse in the middle of the meal? And I can't remember the, the maitre d's name. He was this like really amazing French guy. He was like, it's not chocolate mousse. I'm not going to do the accent. It's pork terrine. And she just was like, wave chocolate and pork. And then I remember the guy came out and was a bit, they were slightly panicked. We were getting really loud and just being a bit gross and... I basically ran into the kitchen and was like trying to help them out and stuff and it was all a bit wrong. We finished all of their like, they don't really have house wine because it's too sure, posh. Yeah. We finished all of their cheap stuff. So we finished all the white, all the red and all the rosé. And it got to the point, it was all a bit catatonic and we'd spread out around the restaurant, which is tiny. So some of us were sitting at the table and some of us were sitting on the little sofas. My mum made friends brackets, like borrow someone's mobile in the loo. It was all really weird. And then it got to the point where the guy just came up and put the bill on the table and went, there's a car outside for you, it's been fun. <laughs> so, um, and you know when you're sort of like that drunk as well, you just sort of do what you're told. So we yeah. were like, oh God, we must go, go off we go. Yeah. Booked, the t- booked another table six months later. Like just, oh, we kind of come here all the time. It's so amazing. And then we kind of yeah, got home. Yeah, mousse was delicious. Oh my God. We got home, kind of sobered up and we're like, oh, that was weird. Like, <laughs> how did that happen? And then I got a uh, text from my dad the next day saying, just whatever happens after paying that bill, you cancel that table. Because we yeah. know we're no way you going You can't back. ever show your face in a restaurant <laughs> ever again. It was, honestly, it was so funny. But anyway, <laughs> so that made me feel like I don't want to do restaurants. But I did love food. So I thought, fuck it, sorry. I thought I would set up a food brand. Mm. And the food that I was interested in anyway was, wasn't the traditional French and British. Mm. It was like more exotic and it was mm. Thai and Chinese and Indian. So I launched a brand called the Mighty Spice Company into Sainsbury's that sold like little fresh, almost like a masala paste. So you could sure. use it as a marinade or you could just, you know, bung sauce in, you know, like tomatoes and you make it into a sauce. And they... I mean, it, it wasn't quite as easy as just coming up with it and doing it. It took, it took a little bit of time. Mm. And they finally got listed. And then I ran it for a few years. And then the, the, the recession hit in 2008. And by 2009, they were just quite expensive. And it just it just wasn't there. The sure. market for that wasn't there. So I had a slight... Um, oh, God. I, like, what's it called? You, where you just run away from reality. Yeah. And I thought, I'm, yeah, I'm going to yeah. flee my bank manager Ignoring and flee the, the country. Yeah. yeah. Went to see my brother and out in Hong Kong, kind of decided to write a book as a fake project. And that's kind of what led into a career of writing, which is... And the first book was uh, on spice in general, wasn't yeah. it? Yeah. So when I was out there, I was moping around and my brother was like, you're being really weird, just go and enjoy yourself. And I was like, I can't, you know, I'm running away from my problems, but I really want to run away from them because I don't want to go home. Yeah. And, and he was like, just go, you know, we're in Hong Kong, just get, you could be in China in like an hour, do whatever you want. And so I thought like, if I come up with like a fake book idea mm. and I fake research a fake book, 
that that's quite a good idea because mm. that means I can justify in my in my head being abroad and not really doing anything <laughs> because I just thought I'm too old to be like dossing around abroad. So I just totally came up with like a fake book and then it, it was like I'm writing this fake book on spices. I'm writing this fake book on spices where you only use five spices. I'm writing a fake book on spices where you only use five spices and these are the recipes for that fake book. Mm. Oh, it's a book. Yeah, that's how it happened. Literally by accident. And when when did that first book come out? I remember it coming out, but... Uh, 2011 or 12? 12, maybe? Oh, I thought I thought your first book came out before mine. Because my first... Oh, no, maybe it was the same year. Check, mine came check. Out... Like, reading the... It's the... See the two stripy ones? No. Point up. Oh, that, there. Yeah, that one. That's the soft back, but I think it should still have the same date in. It's say first published. I'm thinking it was either, I'm sure it was first published 2011 yeah so same same year as mine god which is like, why I remember it yeah old hat at this <laughs> this book game do you know what I, I, I find it amazing I'll just leave it out um, that's sad as well I don't even have a hardback copy anymore you don't have a hard copy of no. your own book Mm-mm. why because buy one that's a weird thing not to have is in it? your own ha- yes I've got the softback okay, maybe, um, maybe it's not weird maybe I'm the weird one because I have a, a shelf in my house it's not a shelf it's it's like a third of a shelf <laughs> where I have a, a copy of dedicated. the editions yeah so I have all the hardbacks the paperbacks well the paperbacks not coming out for a year but um, the foreign editions yeah that kind of thing because it makes me really proud no it is it's, I don't know actually now you've mentioned it it's a bit weird I've got none of the foreign editions either you see, I don't have many, many foreign editions, so, you know. <laughs> Maybe that's why. <laughs> that's why I don't That's worry. why it fits on, you know, small amounts. I mean, I don't have the shelf space, I'm to say. <laughs> so, going back to... Um, <laughs> like the heating's really kicked in. Um, going back to Turkish food. Yes. Um, one of the things I really liked about the book was um, how how you explain the kind of localization of the food, because it seems to me... And I'm, you know, I will claim ignorance... I don't know a lot about Turkish food. Mm. I, I love pide burek. You know, mm. lamajan is one of my favorite things of all mm, time. Delicious. But I, I mean, you know, menemen, best mm. breakfast in the world. But my knowledge of Turkish food isn't great. Yeah. So I was fascinated to read about the fact that Turkish food is so different in different regions, which yeah. is of course a normal yeah, yeah. thing in every country. And it is a whopper of a country. It's of massive. Of course, yeah. yeah. With so many influences over the years mm. from different cultures. Yeah. So. I would wonder, do you have a, a region that's your favourite for food? Um, God. Uh, I mean, I loved I loved the East Turkey mm. because East is really like, um, really Arab influence. So it's, it's like all the kebabs and all the meze. It's quite rich and it's quite heavy food. Mm. And I, I, I quite like that kind of like gouty meat thing. It's just really <laughs> delicious and they do it yeah. really well. But then... The north is really amazing because you've got all the black sea food, which is which is really different and really incredible. Mm. There's a little um, a little village on the uh, God never eat shredded wheat west from the west. That's, even a, that's always the uh, the <laughs> mnemonic that it's standard, not mnemonic, but yeah, never eat shredded wheat. Yeah, come on. there's other ones, but I can't remember what they are. There's probably like some cool rude ones, but I don't know. <laughs> so wheat, we're on wheat, we're west. <laughs> And it's like on the um, Aegean Sea, and it's a little chat town called Alachata. Mm. And it's like, um, it's on this the most gorgeous stretch of coast anyway, uh, called Fetier, which is which is really stunning. And um, this particular little place is a, it looks like a small Greek village. So it's like little stone houses, whitewashed walls, 
blue windows, Bourganvillea sort of spilling out into the Beautiful. streets, and it's absolutely gorgeous. And the mm. food and the surrounding, the, the, the sort of hills that surround it. I know this sounds all like a bit travelly wanky, but <laughs> it literally is. It's like uh, olive groves, lemons. Lavender, rosemary, bees, beautiful. Everything Gorgeous. stinks and of like yeah. yummy herby things. Mm. And this little place, the food there is really special. Like, it's incredible seafood. They've got some really, um, they've got a really amazing food history there anyway. And lots of lovely Aegean dishes are sort of made there that aren't really made anywhere else. And then they've got quite a kind of like cool modern. I don't want to say fine dining because that makes it sound like really prissy but they've got like a kind of very cool modern dining yeah. scene happening as there as well where people are kind of taking these really old recipes and just, just giving them a bit of like modern love yeah, yeah, and yeah. In, a, in a quite a kind of clever way and it's just it's just extraordinary because it is essentially just a tiny village in the middle of nowhere mm. and it's not even on the coast I mean it is on the coast but it's not even on the beach it's sort of inland but it's just beautiful and mm. I think that's probably my favourite place for food um, so if I was going to visit Turkey for the first time, I've never been before, mm -hmm. um, where would you suggest that I started? I mean, Istanbul has been on my list of places to visit Probably for there. so long. I'd say there. Just because it's such a cool city and mm. like, without going sort of, sort of what's going on there at the moment, it's still, I think, I think Istanbul is still really a sort of safe place to be. Mm. I think you can still go and have an amazing time. I'm sure there's massive parts of Turkey where you still can as well. Um... But it's such a vibrant, cool city. I mean, we were just talking a little bit about London and mm. the pace here. It, it, it's got that energy. It's yeah, that buzz about so it. wicked, really yeah. intense and lovely. And the dining scene there is mental. They love eating out almost a bit like as much as New Yorkers do. You know, it's that like eating out constant, all the time. Yeah. yeah. So there's so many restaurants and obviously you can eat, you can eat whatever you want there. But the, the, the sort of, it's got all the different regional Turkish food there and really amazing modern stuff. And what I really enjoyed, I haven't been to Istanbul now for a little while, but what I really enjoyed when I go there is some of the modern Turkish restaurants because I just think it's really interesting to see how mm. they're, a lot of the Turkish recipes are quite set recipes and they're very old and they're from a the certain region. And yeah. you know, you've cooked this in this season or whatever. And it's very interesting to see how they're sort of mashing it up a little bit mm. and just sort of, or, or even just things like the present, how they'll present something that could look a bit like really amazing. Yeah. Um, there's one restaurant called Double Meze, which is just wicked, like rooftop, beautiful, gorgeous, full of like beautiful young things. And the, the, it's, it's meat and it just, the meat and the meze there was so, so delicious. Okay, need to book a trip. It's really cool. Um, back home, mm. is there anywhere in, say, in London, or even in the country at whole, that does Turkish food really well that you would recommend? Mm, I really like um, Tasfarin on Bethnal Green Road. Okay. Which is sort of, I mean, it doesn't look anything special, but it's really, really good meze. And then Anteplia on Green Lanes. I've been there. It's, yeah, really, yeah, it's really good. good. And yeah. it's got a good pide oven, and, and they do good kebab. Um, um, Celine... Celine in Oklava yeah. uh, in Shoreditch is obviously doing kind of much oh, yes. more yeah, sort of more modern, modern yeah. Turkish Cypriot and then I've not been but I've heard that Yosma which is that new one in Marlebone oh, yeah. is amazing okay. um, I've heard really good things about it but I think that's kind of again quite traditional stuff but just given a little tweak a little tweak yeah Yeah. Um, I read something a while ago about um, I think it was probably a year ago an interview you did about how the availability it's do my research what did I say oh no it wasn't really bad at all it was just about how the availability of ingredients was difficult 
And I think you were talking about um, Paul Bouvet, the yeah. chili flakes, the pepper flakes. And I, it just struck me, I was reading it today, that actually within a year, the availability of a lot of things has become yeah. better. Like Paul Bouvet is now much more common. Yeah. And I'm just fascinated by the fact that we seem to be massively into foods from other cultures at the moment. Yeah. You see books that are coming out about so many different mm, countries. It's amazing, areas isn't it? Areas that the country isn't really aware of yeah. a lot. Um, why do you think we're so obsessed with other cultures' food? Because British food is shit and boring. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. I mean, that's a very honest answer. No, I'm sure there's some really nice stuff. I've never been that tickled by British food, no. I have to say. I know we've got amazing produce here. But it always bored me. That's why I started mm. like cooking. So I was just like, oh, shepherd's pie or like some rank stewed fruit or something really gross and then you'd go like I remember having my first Tim Yangoon and just being like wow what is this like kind of glory and I think Brits inherently are like really interested in travel really interested in embracing things I know most people really love British food apart from me but (laughs) I think people are still very open to embrace things and embrace cultures we live obviously massively in the London bubble and we're Mm. spoiled for choice but if you go anywhere in the country there'll be an Indian a Chinese probably a Thai now Mexicans spreading out and I think people are just hungry for it I think Brits have always looked outwards you know historically we always have done and I think the thing that Brits do food wise best is adapt yeah you know you look at the London food scene yes there are some amazing British restaurants but Mm. we have amazing food from all over the world and it's been cooked by people from here, you know, and from uh, yeah. from the original countries. Yeah, I think that's really interesting as well because there's there's chefs from all over the world now who want, who it's eyes on London and yeah. they want to open up here and they yeah. want to be part of this here because they can just see people here are just so excited about yeah. food and eating and trying new things. Mm. It's just sort of, I mean, it, you work in the industry as well, so you know like how things are opening like thick of. Thick and fast, you can't keep up. I think there's three or four taco restaurants due to open before the end of the year. Yeah. And we're recording this, you know, uh, the, uh, in December almost. Oh my God, we need know. to go. Do you remember we had the amazing tacos and drank it's all the margaritas? I know, but we need to find a new one. And, uh, there's, like, there's, yeah, there's a couple opening in the next couple <laughs> weeks. That we can frequent. <laughs> so that kind of brings us to the fact that you are not just doing Turkish food. So yes. your next book is going to be on Moroccan yeah, food. Yeah, I'm very fickle. I've moved on. <laughs> um, no, like I... I Obviously, my I don't have a set food heritage mm. really, and for me, um, I always want to sort of keep going and try and find out what's new. Uh, I'm really fascinated by all the food of North Africa, and mm. the uh, I love Middle East and Eastern Mediterranean. So I came up with a plan to kind of cover all of those, starting with Turkey. So the next one I'm doing is sort of like right down now, going to North Africa and doing just Moroccan. Mm. So I've spent um, about a month out there pretty much doing what I did in Turkey so just going round to not 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 your Marrakeshes or your your sort of fancy places just hanging out with like local people in really local places towns villages really really I went to some really remote places that were just so amazing mm. like I did this town village in the north uh, in the Rif mountains which is interestingly called Rif because of Rifa huh, interesting yeah and they were growing it everywhere. Like, it was quite weird. When we were walking around, I was like, this smells like my teenagers. What is it? And I was like, oh my God, there's skunk weed everywhere. It was really weird. And um, we went to this little village and they'd got electricity four months ago. 
Wow. So they just got a fridge. Um, they didn't have any TVs. They were mainly super excited because they got mobile phone chargers. Mm. So they were all like just sort of texting each other. <laughs> and um, But it was just amazing to go somewhere where it's that like, it's still that remote and it's still that isolated. And it was like a little farming village. But I it was very lucky and got kind of welcomed in uh, to different places and got access to some really good foods. And I've got food cooked for me that I've never seen before that I've never eaten before that I've mm. never heard of before and it, it again I got that tingle of like oh I cannot wait to start <laughs> like reproducing this yeah you gave me a little sneak peek uh, I don't know what that meek. was you gave me a little uh, <laughs> sneak peek thing. yeah it's a new thing <laughs> you gave me a sneak peek of some of the recipes and there are some utterly delicious yeah. looking things the, the bread thing so that's called Messmen Messmen which it. is a like a so it's essentially it's, it's like a fold of, of bread so mm. you make your dough you'll be better at this than I am anyway <laughs> so you, I would just sort of I really badly need it yeah. I'd badly need it you'll be making it beautifully and then you, you make this very sort of thin mm. quite kind of oily dough so it's quite uh, malleable is that yeah right kind right? of like a focaccia dough I guess yes yeah. but thinner okay yeah and then you start basically folding it in folding it in then you keep going so it's to get a really flaky pastry yeah 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 and then you end up with kind of quite a big like a thing. Almost, yes, yeah. fold, 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 fold into a little square. Fry it in butter, and you can serve it with sugar as a really basic one. Mm. Or you can do it more savoury with um, like tomatoes and little bits of chili and yeah. bits of ground meat, which is what that one is. Yeah, it just um, looks utterly delicious. It's really not, but like anything kind of like fried meat pastries, yeah. like yeah, it's posh pasties. Be, all the textures that I know is like breads, doughs, yeah. fried things. You know, the, the Moroccan, the things. Moroccan bread you would love. Okay, they do it so well all different types of breads from just the, the sort of basic is like a little round loaf mm. really nice sort of chewy crust you know and you know when it's sort of like it's just perfect yeah, yeah, yeah. and really just well seasoned yeah. and they don't have any crap in it so there's no yeah. weird e whatever it's just really natural and really yummy yeah. and you can eat it like morning noon and night and they've got this amazing thing with bread out there so bread is like is their staple so bread is with every meal couscous is for like a special occasion sure and you make a big batch of it for your family, maybe on Fridays, because it's Holy Day. They don't really eat rice. There are some rice dishes, but not much. Yeah. It, and it's it's all about the bread, and they've got all these different breads, which are amazing. And what they do is they believe you should never, ever throw bread away. So you put your old bread in a box, and it, it you would leave that out in the cities to give to like the less fortunate. Mm. And it's just a really nice, yeah, it's beautiful. quite lovely thing, yeah. which I really like. But yeah, the, the breads there were amazing. The food was amazing, mm. I like honestly can't tell you how wicked it was and my highlight was um many highlights was uh going to this city called chef Shawan, which is like a blue city mm. in, in the north and the medina it's like it's sort of like a little scattering of buildings on this beautiful hill and when you go into the medina everything is painted blue yeah i think i've seen your it's pictures of this so online. wicked yeah. it's like a movie set when you posted the pictures of it it actually reminds me of um, Greece yeah and some yes. of the Greek islands where I mean that's a lot that's white and blue yeah but it gave me that kind of intense feel of honestly it's um, mental overwhelming kind of amount of yeah. colour yeah I've never taken so many photos <laughs> and like when you're there because I was just like geeking out with my camera and my phone camera obviously yeah but you'd go around you'd sort of photograph everything and then I'd stop for coffee and feel like right stop taking Take photographs in. yeah but then the light would change and you'd be like, oh my God, it looks really different. Or like that street that I did earlier on is now like in bathed and sun. I've got to go back. Yeah. So essentially I'd spent two days 
not really actually seeing anything with my own mm. eyes, which is all through different lenses. But <laughs> oh, it was so beautiful. Well, thankfully you are going back with a photographer to do it for yes. you. Yes. So you can take it in on that trip. Yes. Just let Martin do the pictures yes. for you. Oh, Martin, get better soon. We can go. <laughs> <laughs> so when's the book actually due out? September. September next year. Yeah. Excellent. Um, so we're going to move on to our second section of the go podcast. On. So this is our um, shopping list. Yeah. So it's a quick fire round. Um, and you just need to ch- uh, choose between two different items. You can disagree. You can okay. say my choices are stupid. You can, you know. You so you're going to choose what I'm going to choose. I'm going to give you choices. And oh, okay, you need got to it. Choose, okay. You know. um, and uh, you can also say my choices are wrong and come up with something else. Okay, I probably um, will. You don't have to expand on your answers if you don't want to. But okay. if you've got like a reason, okay. or you're very passionate about something, you can, okay. you know, you can say something. Oh, so, I can't. Come on. Uh, Turkish breakfast or full English? Turkish breakfast, uh, obviously. Because uh, you hate English food. I do like full English. That's going to be the hashtag of the, of the episode. Yeah. You know, John Greg Smith hates English hates food. English That's food. a long hashtag. Um, <laughs> it's, it's just a good long name. <laughs> <laughs> really long name. Um, red or white wine? Red, obviously. Wow, strong opinion. Rolling in red wine. No, to be fair, time. that's definitely true. Um, dark chocolate, milk chocolate? Or no chocolate? It's so much chocolate. <laughs> All of it together at last. Can I have can I have salt chocolate? Yeah, that's fine. Thing. Yeah. Salted caramel chocolate. Okay, you're just creating something else. That's fine. Uh, probably yeah. Probably my like sad Friday night at home if I'm in on my own and I want to like go to town. I'll have a bar <laughs> of like green and black salted salt milk chocolate. Yeah, it's good. And I really like that. Nice. Um, sumac or pulver bear? Pulver bear. Okay. Uh, lemon or pomegranate? Let's go wanky and say pomegranate. <laughs> Bejewel everything. <laughs> parsley or oregano? Whoa, wild oregano or dry? God, Up what a pun. Parsley. <laughs> wild or dry? Was it organic? Um, and as we are now, or this will come out in December. Yes. So as it is now official Christmas season, mm. um, Christmas pudding or Christmas cake? Although you hate English food. Both. So I'm joking. Neither. 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 I meant both of neither. That doesn't make sense. Make sense. Oh, God. That's all we've lost. <laughs> we haven't had any wine. Yeah, we should have done. Um, I don't like Christmas pudding. I think it's just... I think it's odd. And I think Christmas cake is... Is... Is so weird. Mm. Like, it looks like it should be really nice. I mean, you get given it, it's all just a bit dry and tastes like old <laughs> fruit. Um, I, I don't think you're wrong. I think so many people hate anything made with dried fruit. You know, yeah. people call it dried flies... I, just, um, I don't mind dried food. I just think in that it just doesn't work context. for me like that. I would go let's let's go and have like a nice Yule log. <laughs> <laughs> See, I love Christmas cake, but I hate Christmas pudding. Oh, it's too just heavy. Weird, isn't it? Too just after a long meal, it's the last thing I want to eat generally. And it tastes like a bit. I know it's, it's, it's like fermented. It's just a bit weird. I mean, normally they have sat for a year, so you know, yeah. a little bit. Um, and the last one is still Christmassy: mulled wine or eggnog. Red wine. Red wine. <laughs> Red wine or whiskey. <laughs> I mean, that's fine. Um, so our final section is the recycling bin. Yeah. So this is your opportunity to rant a little bit. Bitch, bitch, bitch. <laughs> or bitch, yeah. <laughs> um, about an ingredient or a trend or something in food that you cannot stand. Yeah. And you have to try and convince me to get rid of it. And then if you okay. succeed, we'll put it in the proverbial recycling bin. Okay. It's just too easy, though, because you know what I'm going to say. <laughs> I'm just going to go, like, eating clean. <laughs> to be fair, I think, uh, I, I think when we did the first episode, I gave clean eating as my first one. Yeah, because And I've mentioned like... it far too much on this podcast. But it's so stupid, and it's like, 
what is my, all my other eating dirty? Like, mm. what am I? Do I have to eat like shame burritos down mm. the alley because it's dirty or something? It's weird, and also it's just it's just so stupid. Like, it's such a stupid idea. I know a lot of people have bought into it, and that's great. But it's just such a stupid idea. You can eat incredible food that's super healthy without having to just be so weird about it. And bone broth is just stock facts. <laughs> <laughs> yes, no, no, I would totally agree. I think nor have been doing it for years. <laughs> it's not new. <laughs> I, I completely. Agree. I think I've always found clean eating such an odd term because, yeah, does that mean that what I cook? what I make my living from is dirty food. Dirty food. And I think it's unhealthy to talk about food in those terms. Yeah. Um, I also think that clean eating can be unhealthy. I think it's putting pressure on people to be a certain way. Yeah. Um, it, was a, it was a very um, neat way of packaging up something that wasn't really new. Yeah. Like a load of old crappy old green juices that had been around for years, just no one was that fussed by it. And yeah. kale, frankly that you buy from the supermarket anyway is so gross because yeah. they chop it with the stalks on and it tastes of just doom. Like, <laughs> and everyone was like, oh my God, let's just make it really great and like wear t-shirts saying kale. Mm. It, just, it, was, it was just dressing up something that was really ordinary and trying to make it like... I do think a lot of it was Emperor's New Clothes kind of thing. Yeah. I think a lot of it was um, people saying they knew what was healthy, but actually got yeah. no nutritional background. No. And a lot of it was incredibly sugary. You know, a juice is... A lot of sugar mm. you know have a smoothie it's better for you yeah, yeah there are a lot of things where i just think actually i'm not sure you're giving off the right message yeah and personally i've always been um of the mindset that actually the healthiest thing you can do is cook for yourself mm. and you know have a little bit of what you fancy don't L- exactly. overload have a healthy relationship with food Completely. as well that's the best thing you do and also yeah. i think clean eating often leads you to not have a healthy relationship yeah. with food because you obsess about it yeah you obsess about every single thing that you eat well i think it's normalizing a weird side of food that's yeah. making you know let, let's let's face it most people who sort of practice clean eating will eat pretty normally at the same time as well but it's sort of normalising something that is pretty mm. weird no, I you know agree. like e- e- living on like zero calorie food yeah. or soups that essentially are just water with a bit of like oh is that, is that a little bit of spring onion floating around that will fill me up in there and it's it's tr- it's sort of almost making that mm. sort of seem cool and you, it's not cool you can now buy I saw it in the supermarket a while ago it was, I think it was a zero calorie, was it rice or a pasta? So I tried wow. it. It was the most disgusting thing ever. Was it slimy? It was made from a, some sort of, I'm assuming kind of bacteria or protein or something. And it was literally disgusting. Yeah. I would never want to be healthy. No. Eating that way. I'd rather what, just... What are your thoughts on courgettini? <laughs> <laughs> Chopped oh, courgette. Otherwise, no. Uh, you know, courgette is delicious. Yeah. And it's delicious raw. But... I kind of would just rather have a bowl of pasta. Oh, I just, I love Things. it when you you read and it's like, oh, I fed my friends and they thought it was pasta. No, no they, they didn't. didn't. It no. was rubbish. They Pasta's didn't... delicious and like a vehicle for butter and cheese and tastes of like lovely, like glorious gluten. Yeah. It's just fucking fried courgettes. Like, you're not going to fool anyone. I was filming uh, Saturday Kitchen yesterday for a Christmas special and... I don't quite remember what I said, but I definitely at one point went into a rant about clean eating. I stopped cooking and started ranting about clean eating. Yeah. I'm hoping it doesn't make the final edit. I, um, maybe, it's, maybe, hopefully it will. It might be quite funny, but um, <laughs> unsurprisingly, I'm going to put clean eating into the recycling bin yeah. because I hate it and I hope it disappears in 2017. <laughs> 
Um, thank you again for joining us. Thank you. Um, so your book is uh, Turkish Delights and is out now. It's and in stores now. In stores now. Yeah. And your next book will be out in September next year. Yeah. It's all on Moroccan food. Yeah. Thank you so much for joining me. Thank you, Ed. No, thank you.